Festival of Nature. The UK's largest free celebration of the natural world is back and looking a bit different this year with a brand new programme of activity to help everyone discover new ways to connect with nature this summer, including this podcast. This year's festival is all about nature voices, celebrating and honouring how nature has supported us through the pandemic and the ways we can work together with nature to support our collective recoveries. Welcome to this episode from the Festival of Nature's podcast. I'm Ellie Bladen, and today I'm joined by Dr. Jonathan Reeves, Principal Research Officer at the Wildfowl and Wetlands Trust and the lead on their Blue Prescribing Project. Thank you for joining me today, Jonathan. Hello. So lots of people at some point in their lives will have needed to go to the doctor for a prescription, but the Wildfowl and Wetlands Trust is facilitating something it's calling blue prescriptions. What exactly is a blue prescription? You can think about blue prescribing as um, guided experience in wetlands. So it's, it's not a casual thing. It's, it's this guided, repeated visits with healthy behaviours in mind. So the whole end point is to induce well-being and improve health and I guess the blue aspect of it relates to the wetland side of things so you might have heard of green prescribing so a lot of other NGOs and green organizations do I think of green prescribing and WWT is focusing on the wetland side of things so this kind of you know associating people with water the prescription side of things is quite loose because obviously in the world of, of prescribing you know, social prescribing you know you can get a referral through a doctor but it doesn't necessarily mean that everybody that comes on the course will come through a doctor there are other referral routes and we could go into a long conversation about the ways in which people were referred and find out about these kind of programs but as i mentioned so it's based on social prescribing and social prescribing is this idea about community referral and it's it's the way the nhs is moving people might have heard that the nhs is going through reform and we're moving to more about personalised care. So it's less about what is being done to people and more about what, you know, what, care, what people care about and what um, impacts their, their health personally. So you know, there's, a, there's a way in which you might go to your GP and say, I'm, I'm experiencing X problems, and they'll realise that a medical solution and a clinical solution might not be the right thing for that. So there's, there's new opportunities to prescribe to things like social prescribing. And there's a whole network around it. So you know, the government is investing in four and a half thousand link workers that, whose role it is to then link people to these kind of schemes. It's really interesting that you mentioned green prescriptions there, and that's something that we hear about a lot, you know, the benefit of green spaces for mental health. But wetlands are maybe less spoken about. What particular benefits do you think that wetlands can bring to people's well-being? I mean, there's a growing body of evidence that being next to blue spaces is, is good for people's well-being. You know, for example, some studies say that if you live near a coast, for example, that, that your well-being is likely to be to be higher. And, you know, the, there's people often gather around blue spaces as well. So the social aspect will, will come in that way. But the other the other side of things is that a lot of the research shows that, that in terms of preference, in terms of like people's natural spaces, they like to be around often blue spaces to the preferred. So, for example, those research released this about a few weeks ago by our collaborators with the Mental Health Foundation. And they found that 65% of people find that being near water improves their mental well-being and is their favourite part of nature. So although the science isn't yet delineating between the blue and the green side of things, but we do, that's still yet to be resolved. But what we do know is that, you know, in terms of preference, um, blue spaces is definitely preferred. So what kinds of tangible differences do we actually see? Because, you know, it's very easy to imagine that people would feel happier next to blue spaces. How do we kind of measure that? 
So one of the ways that we did that is through standardized surveys. So you're, you're absolutely right in that well-being is a difficult concept to try and capture. And it's very convoluted. So as you can imagine, the, the things that feed into your well-being are multiple. It's, you know, it's your friendships, it's your work, it's your environment. There's, there's multiple things. There. So trying to work out exactly what it is or what the impact is on something like a blue prescription is very, is very, very difficult. But there are tools out there that we, that we can use. And, and some of those are standardized um, psychological surveys. So, for example, we did a pilot at um, Slimbridge. And we use some of these surveys to measure anxiety, depression and general well-being as well as stress. And so before and after, for example, so we, we, we took surveys before they started the six week course and after the six week course. And so we saw quite significant reductions in, in most of those indicators. And one, one of the more sort of revealing findings was this survey called the Warwick Edinburgh Mental Wellbeing Scale, which showed that when the participants came on the course, they were below average against national norms. And then after the course, they had been elevated into an average level in terms of national norms across the country. So there's a few tools that we can use, but it's still very complicated and we can't categorically say we've elevated that well-being because of the blue prescription. But, you know, there's correlative stuff there that we can, that we can think about. And that's really striking as a correlation, you know, that you're actually moving from below average to to average. So tell me a bit more about the actual programme. How does it work? What do people do on the programme? I think the first thing to say about that is that it will vary. So in terms of our programmes that WWT has, we did a pilot at Slimbridge in 2019 and we used that to to try and roll out at different centres. So we have 10 centres around the UK and in the last year or so we've been successful in rolling them out at Steart in Somerset and in London, at our London Wetland Centre in Barnes. And that's with the, the Mental Health Foundation, I should add. The key thing there is that what we'll do is we'll go through a process of co-production because there's no point doing these kind of schemes if the participants and all the partners consulted. So the first thing to say is that we'll go through a process of co-creation in which we'll get all partners on board and we'll discuss about how we can use the area that we're working in. At Slimbridge, what we had there is, if people know WWG Slimbridge, it's a visitor centre, so it's got lots of activities that are available. It's got canoe safari, it's got lots of hides. It's got lots of walkways. So you can imagine that the activities there were based around bird watching, bird feeding. We took them out onto the canoe safari. We did lots of health walks. So we went down to the Seven Estuary, which was quite a lengthy walk. And then we, you know, we spent a bit of time relaxing out by the estuary and just taking in the blue space out there. So it will vary on what, you know, what, this, what the space is available. And it'll, like I say, it will go for this co-production stage, but it, it will vary. Yeah, so it sounds like it's a very holistic approach to health. So is the blue prescribing project something that people can also take part in alongside receiving their conventional medicine for their you know, mental health conditions, for example? Absolutely. And I think the other thing to say is that, you know, this is not a panacea of, of mental health. It's one tool in the toolbox that, that we can use. And, you know, lots of people that we've worked with already, you know, alongside their medication, they're coming on this as well. So it's, it's kind of aimed to be run alongside. But of course, ultimately, the idea is to reduce things like medication use. One of the big promotion and advantages of this kind of scheme is that it's you know sustainable. It, it doesn't have a kind of too much of an environmental impact in terms of the medication that's then going into waterways, etc. So the idea is that it's hopefully a bit more sustainable. So it looks like, you know, you're doing amazing things at the moment. Were there any other big challenges in implementing the programme originally? We're kind of at the start of the, the programme, really. So the, a lot of the barriers will reveal themselves quite quickly. But I mean, the obvious one is COVID, which is, you know, sort of 
prefixes every conversation at the moment, doesn't it? But um, other things that I guess are barriers are barriers to, to lots of nature access, and that's transport and getting to some of these places. So a lot of WWT sites and wetlands in general are in slightly out of, out of the way places that take a bit of getting to. So that then often precludes people who don't have transport. And what it does, then it just feeds into this narrative about the urban nature provision that we have in our towns and cities and that we need more of the places like London, the London Wetland Centre, which is in the heart of Barnes, for example. So there's nearby nature places, but biodiverse and nature-rich places for people to go to. So transport and access is, is, always, is always a barrier to these kind of things. So do you think that the aim should be to increase the transport or to increase the sort of green and blue spaces in urban environments? I mean, both. Yeah. So one of the one of the things that we realised at our Somerset site, for example, is that we had a long list of groups that wanted to access this site. But alongside every single one of them, one of the barriers was was transport. So in terms of people and, you know, levering nature for well-being, often these if there might be simple solutions like facilitating access and transport. So that might be a simple solution. But in many cases, that's still not going to be the, the final solution. So, yeah, where we still need to be thinking about those nearby nature nature um, solutions in our towns and cities, not just for wellbeing, but for other things like flooding, you know, improving our water quality and providing homes for, for nature, you know, those it, creating those corridors which nature needs to joining up the whole, that nature network that we need throughout the country. There's no point just having it in pockets. It needs to be joined up and, and connected. So how can the general public, if they support something like this, how can they help the WWT? Is it something that people can do you know they can help you themselves or is it something that really needs to change at the policy level it's a bit of both really so what people will find is i mean you could ask your local gp about these kind of things and 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 then local link workers so as i mentioned at the outset there's a thousand link workers at the moment so you could ask about them what what the provision is in your local environment the other thing to say is you know with all of this stuff is yes if you think it's a good idea let's write to your local mp and say i've heard about these these kind of ideas i support that i would like that for myself saying again it goes back to the nearby nature thing and if you don't have that provision in your local environment write to them and say why don't we have some nice green spaces in our local environment so yeah i mean two things ask about to ask your gp see if it's in the area they might come back with i've never heard of that but which again is a good thing because you know trying to win the battle within healthcare is is one of the battles itself you have very switched on people who, who kind of get the idea within the health service but then there are obviously still lots of pockets where people are very traditional and they they kind of turn their nose up at it so i just say ask the question and ask ask the question of your your doctors and your gps and your and your mps as well you know if there's an interest in it then express it and what about people who aren't in the current catchment areas of the program they want to get involved how can they implement some of the things that you have learned from the project into their own lives to you know potentially improve their own mental and physical health i mean there's lots of resources out there at the moment which will help people explore their local environment for this. So the Mental Health Foundation, for example, have produced quite a good recent document about engaging with nature for mental health. And so the other thing is that you could, actually I'm, I'm thinking back to a, a participant who I spoke to yesterday and she was saying how on the course, what she'd learned on the course, she was able to use in her local environment through the pandemic. So just that confidence and that ability to go into nature, gain mental health benefits from that has been so important through the pandemic. So I mean, that's for somebody who's gone through the course, but if those people are out there who are perhaps less confident about, about going into nature, um, I mean, they could try it. They could just try their local 
park, for example. The other thing to say is, you know, it might be about bringing it indoors. So if you're, for example, if you're, if you live in flats or you don't have good access to the green space, you might think about bringing nature indoors and, and cultivating plants in your house and you get a lot of the benefits through access to nature and, and then spending time around nature through, through indoor plants. Well, it's wonderful to hear that even in the most urban environments, there are opportunities for everyone to improve their health and their engagement with the natural world. And it's fantastic to hear that through your work, these opportunities should be getting ever more accessible. Well, thank you so much, Jonathan, for joining me today to talk about the Blue Prescription Project. It is such an inspiring programme and I'm really looking forward to hearing how it grows over the years and continues to help more and more people improve their well-being through their connection with our blue landscape thank you for having me and thank you for listening to this episode from the festival of nature remember that we've got lots more content as part of the festival so if you've been left intrigued about how else we can engage with nature to improve our well-being do head over to our webpage or our facebook instagram or twitter pages we're at fest of nature on all of them and you can find out all about our lovely events talks and podcasts that we've got going on well thanks for joining us here today until next time you can check out the rest of festival of nature celebrations including more episodes of this podcast by heading to www.festivalofnature.org.uk or by following the hashtag fest of nature 21 thanks for listening <laughs>